This is kind of a ballad. Uh, it's only 62 verses in, in this abridged version. I'm, I'm joking. <clears throat> so it's a simple boy meets girl story, complicated somewhat by the presence of a motorcycle. Yes, you guessed it. It's, uh, it's that Arlo Guthrie song again. Look out! The lever! Get away from that lever! You'll blow us all to atoms! All right, welcome everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm Rob Elba, and uh, once again, it's great to have you all here. Just real quick, I want to thank our newest patron. This is someone that definitely does not want to be uh, known by his name because the name, the only name I have is Forbidden Donut. Forbidden Donut. <laughs> Forbidden Donut is our newest patron, and so obviously someone that's either under uh, the FBI witness protection plan or just doesn't want to be associated with the show. But we thank you, whoever you are, Forbidden Donut, for becoming a patron of the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, you, uh, anyone else listening, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron of the show. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome my guest. This is someone we had we had some issues getting him on here, but I, I think we're good. And I think uh, we could hear him now. And let's welcome to the show Mr. Eric Lazier. Is, is it Lazier? Lazier. It's oh, a hard one. Not 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 many people get it right off the. So like right a, the a brazier, but with the <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. That was everybody's favorite, you know, nickname. For oh, me I'm in sure, right, school, all through too. middle school at least for sure, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was, you know, whatever. They're, kids can be cruel, Eric. Um, be- better that than taking it as the as as the descriptive, right? You know. <laughs> so, Eric, all I have, the only information I have on you is that you're from uh, Tallahassee. And that you live mm-hmm. now in Sorrento, Florida? I'm in Sorrento, which is basically the northwest, upper northwest corner of the Orlando area. Kind of right next door to Mount Dora, basically. Oh, okay, nice. I know where that is. And I'm assuming, so you're from Tallahassee, so I'm assuming you were a friend of Barry's, or you, you knew Barry exactly. back in the day. Okay. I, I knew Barry back in the day. We were both part of the uh, Tallahassee music scene and the... 80s and for me the 90s Uh, i was a big fan i was a big fan of the band that uh barry and tom lewis had grecian formulas formula 69 which were grecian formula 69 yes (laughs) one of my favorite uh tallahassee bands of all time and you know, we were just, and I worked at Vinyl Fever, the campus record store there. I've heard, yep, so I've I, heard a lot of the Tallahassee stores. So this isn't awkward for you at all now that Barry's not on the show anymore. I hope not. It shouldn't be, right? No, not at all. Good, not good. at all. You're still doing good work. I Thank mean, you. you know, you're I, still talking about interesting that. albums with interesting people. So, And, and yeah. speaking of, uh, well, we'll see how interesting you are, Eric. You know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> You did bring a really great record, though. I really, uh, I really appreciate. So, what is the record uh, that you brought to talk about? Uh, Richard Thompson's 1991 release, "Rumor and Sigh." Yeah, and Richard Thompson is one of these guys that I kind of forget sometimes how great he is. <laughs> and I really, you know, people talk about guitar players that are underrated and he is definitely one of those right would you agree absolutely absolutely i mean especially on electric i mean thankfully at least uh, his mastery on acoustic is becoming pretty well known but he's still a dark horse you know when it comes to you know guitarist of the year lists or stuff like that right right, right. people forget his electric work which i think is just really really wonderful and 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 very unique it is Um, and then aside from all that he's just like a really great songwriter and artist and he has this way of writing and this i I don't know what's the word he's got a certain he's got a very he's got a very unique perspective he's got a very kind of specific perspective i think for you for especially for an american audience 
Right, 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 right. Uh, all right. So, yes, he is uh, British. He was born in Notting Hill. And this mm-hmm. is something I did not know. His first band, Emile and the Detectives, uh, right. was with his classmate, Hugh Cornwell of the Stranglers. Right, right. <laughs> was right. It a band uh, with him. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that blew me away when I first figured it out, too. Because, I mean, you know, with, with his, uh, one of the connections that people don't necessarily make just from the sound of his music is to conquer any of that kind of stuff. Although right. he's become kind of the patron saint almost of alternative music, the way he gets name checked these days by everybody. Well, but yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Musically, he he's not punk. Obviously, he's not, but he's got kind of a punk sensibility in the way he approaches subjects and and the subjects he writes about and how he writes. Right? Wouldn't you say? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's definitely a non-mainstream. It, it's not an American mainstream sensibility at all. Right. Uh, you know, it's an alternative sensibility in this culture. So yeah, it it absolutely fits. Right. And so he goes all the way back. Now, are you familiar with the uh, Fairport? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that, I, I got into him first through Fairport. I oh, first wow. Learned, you did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I had a, a buddy of mine when I went. I, I, I spent some of my college years in Washington, D.C., and I had a good friend who worked at, a, at the Campus Tower Records who really helped uh, expand my mind into a lot of music that I just hadn't. Uh, encountered yet and Fairport and Richard solo work were probably the most lasting uh, the most lasting influence that I picked up from right um, okay and, that's cool so, so you've, you've been a fan for a really long time then yeah I've been a fan since about 1987 okay cool yeah, because I well, yeah, I, I discovered him sometime in the eighties, but I didn't go that far back. Uh, far back, but I I did uh, the albums he did with Linda Thompson, his then wife. Uh, I want to see the bright lights tonight and shoot out right. the lights. both really great so that's when he came on my radar and i remember when this record uh i remember when it came out it came out in as you said uh 1991 he i guess he was sort of having a resurgence because he was i remember he was on uh, david letterman and and you know and he was getting some airplay with uh with some of the songs on on this record holly graham seems to have made it seemed to have made a decision right around that time that they were gonna make as much of an effort as they could to try and break him. Right. I mean, <laughs> and and I was so excited about this. And, you know, unfor- you know, for better or for worse, I did, didn't really work out that way. I think he's ultimately too British for a mass market American audience. Right, right. But, exactly. But, you know, at least the, the, the records charted in, uh, in ways that they hadn't before. And it did expand his American audience, just not quite as wide as I and I'd imagine Polygram at hope. <laughs> right, know? right. Doing this record and revisiting it and realizing, man, this is a really good record. I mean, just song after song after song. It's like so rich and there's so many great songs. And then I was looking, you can go down a rabbit hole of him doing these songs solo on acoustic. And I'll be honest oh, yeah. with you, some of these solo acoustic versions I like better, even better than uh, than them on him, just because. Oh, I I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you hear Richard solo, I mean, it's, you know, it's the kernel of the work. I mean, it's. Yeah. Uh... I feel so good. I'm going to break somebody's heart tonight. Take someone apart tonight They put me in jail for my TV on Two years, seven months and sixteen days Now I'm back on the street in a purple haze And I feel so good And I feel so good I feel so good I'm gonna break somebody's heart tonight 
you might not agree with the arrangement choices that a producer made on a track or or, or the mix or something like that. When you get to the, you know, because all those embellishments that, that can come later, you know, they, they may work for you, they may not, but the core of the tune is the core of the tune. Right. Um, and you really get that with Richard on and his acoustic work. And, you know, his his acoustic playing is... Oh really so complex and diverse that you almost don't need a band. I mean, no, it's just, I know it's, it's amazing. It seems like he does playing two parts at once a lot yeah. when you watch yeah. him it, doing, and it's just like, it, it's incredible. It's, it's mind-blowing. He was the first hybrid picker I ever really paid attention to, and that was one of the things that really grabbed me about him. I just love the idea of somebody who wasn't content to let the other three fingers of their picking hand just sit there. Right. <laughs> you know, just, exactly. ju- just that intention in and of itself right. really grabbed me about what he was doing. And of course, you know, then I found out that hybrid picking goes way, way back in jazz and country. And it hoped out and that alone helped open my mind to a lot of other music that I might not have come across right. otherwise. But, but, but yeah, um, through that technique, I mean, yeah, he's able to sound like, at least two players at once. Right, exactly. All right, so let me ask you, so you were already a fan, so what did you think when this record came out? What did, what did you think of this record? Like, Were you blown away? I right was, away? I was. I was looking forward to, I, I was especially looking forward to it because I'd seen him, I'd seen him in the fall of 89 for the first time in a hole in the wall called Club Detroit in Tampa. And he played several of the numbers that ended up on this record, including uh, what has become known as his signature song, almost uh, 52 Vins of Black Lightning. Right. And so I heard that song for the first time and it really stuck in my head. So I was really looking forward to that next record. And then at, at Vinyl Fever, we got in a like a promo cassette for the first with like four tracks off it. One of them was Vincent, Vincent BBL. And that just whetted my appetite for the record. And then when I finally got it and heard what, what Mitchell Fruman, Chad Blake, who are one of my favorite uh, producing and engineering and mixing teams. uh, When I heard what they did with the songs, I was, you know, I was, I was just really knocked out. I, I think it was the best synthesis that, Thompson had reached with the, uh, you know, that sort of Celtic uh, brass band sound he has, you know, like on, right. you know, I feel so good, you know, those reeds and stuff yes, but mixed yes. with like a real strong, almost like alternative pop essentially thing. Going right. On right. Underneath. Yeah. Yeah. They, they did do that. And, and that did, I did appreciate, I can appreciate it, but because it came when it came out in 91 it, there's still a certain uh, a production style like a certain drum sound and everything to me some of it does sound a little slick and maybe a little too produced but that's just me personally like i'm uh, you know i'm i'm really into raw you know rawness raw sounding things so that's when i say when i go back and just watch him playing this stuff live either either with a band or solo i just I, you know even though this record is great it is kind of slick <laughs> at times. Oh, it's you know? a very produced record. Right. It's a very right. produced right. record, and there's no getting around that. It is Richard Thompson through Mitchell Fruman, Chad Blake, and there's no escaping that. You kind of have to make your peace with that before you Absolutely. listen to the record. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and it is what it is. It isn't hard because it, it's still great. And let's uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of songs in this record, so let's we should get started on it. Uh, the first th- song, a really great, clever, uh, fun song, and let's listen to a little bit of a little read about love. There you go. Teacher, he reached for the cane. 
so it, it just it just sounds like such a great uh, pop song. But uh, it, the uh, the poor uh, protagonist, he like learned about love and sex from from books, right? And he's having from a hard born. time applying his uh, book knowledge in in the real world. Yeah, and and that's I mean that's happening a lot in the world. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I mean that's <laughs> that's and that's one of the things that I like about R- Richard. Always kind of likes to. You know, he, he he likes to give it an ironic twist. Oh, yeah. Uh, in a right. lot of ways. And, you know, so it's a song about a guy learning about love, but it's a guy, but but it's a song about a guy who doesn't really learn anything. No, no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> when with, I touch with, you with, there, it's supposed trick. to feel nice. That's what it said in Reader's Advice. Advice, uh, but, yeah. yeah. Right away, also his uh, playing in this, his uh, guitar playing, like there's an outro part where he's just going off but it's so effortless he has such an effortless way of playing that's just so you could tell he's someone that just it's like in him and and it's in his uh left hand it's like right yo absolutely absolutely and he's got especially like some of the stuff he does on the outro like some of those really kind of slow bends yeah uh it's a really interesting sound. It's almost like a keening sound, you know. It almost reminds me a little bit of a banshee sound, which yeah. I think is really, well, I was pretty to, neat. I was trying to think who it reminded me of, and I had I, I got this a combination of Jeff Beck and uh, Pete Townsend. Yeah. Oh, there, there's definitely some of that. There's there's Jeff Beck's in there. There's some. There's definitely some Pete in there. He right. was a big Who fan. I'm reading uh, Beeswing his autobiography now and he talks about having to get in stock if, if he went to see the who at the marquee and uh you know stayed for the second set he'd have to walk like 20 miles home but it would be worth it right right <laughs> so right. yeah he was a real real, real big who fan oh awesome. and, yeah, you know there's, it, it, there's you somebody else that. who he reminds me of a lot on electric although the music isn't similar, but the playing is. He reminds me a lot of Mark Knopfler. There's something oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, right, right. That out-of-phase strat plugged with a plucked with a finger. Exactly, yes, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, and one of, my, one of the, my favorite things about his tone, there's something, there's that warmth that, you know, finger pluck brings as, as opposed to, you know, the, the kind of harsher sound you get with a pick. And it really, it, it, it just really hit, rubs me the right way. Yep. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. All right. So speaking of, he's got like sort of a, tw- a twisted view. This next one is definitely a dark, a twisted uh, tale. Uh, but in the guise of this really a poppy sounding song, but the lyrics are pretty dark. Uh, mm-hmm. Such a good song, man. Let's listen to I Feel So Good. song and and i feel like this song is in a way he's got this you know how you have that uh, a jekyll and hyde a lot of performers have that jekyll and hyde quality this guy that he's writing about in here this guy that was in jail for a little time and he's getting out and he's and he's gonna get he's gonna have his fun and he's gonna have his way that's in him i feel right oh absolutely i mean i think this song is a very representative of both you know the 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 personalities that Thompson adopts in his writing and the sensibility. I mean, it's, it, it, it's a, it, it's like a classic RT song. It is. And there's, and this is one, like I said, there's one of him doing a 
a songwriter circle thing where he's playing this solo and faster, a much faster version. But it's with uh, Suzanne Vega and Loudon uh, Wainwright the third. So like it's one of these things where they're all sitting on stage together and they take turns. And he's playing this, and uh, the looks on, especially Suzanne Vega is looking like because you know she's going to be next from him, and it's just like oh. she's terrified because he's so so good. Uh, oh. He- I, I I do not envy anyone who has to wait through a songwriter's circle with RT on exactly. either side of them, you know. All right, so now he uh now we bring things down a little. Uh this is Yeah, you get that you get that really strong one two punch of really upbeat read about love and uh and and I feel so good. And 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 then the mood changes. Yeah, because this is like someone broke his heart now clearly someone broke his heart at some point <laughs> oh yes yes I, I think that's a safe assumption i i, I love the lyric book on 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 this next track it's so great all right let's listen to a little bit of i misunderstood Yeah, RT was kind of my window into singer-songwriter music in a lot of ways. You know, a lot yeah. of it I kind of avoided, you know, some of it before, you know, kind of growing up with angrier sensibilities. And this kind of helped open my mind to, you know, stuff that wasn't as angry on the on the surface, you know. Right. And uh, something else I was thinking of, you focus so much on his playing, his guitar playing. Uh, he also has a really interesting voice. Um, yes, and his delivery and very uh, reminds me a lot of David Byrne, which I, I know he's he's mm-hmm. actually d- done stuff with and he's worked with, right? He, yes, yes, they've uh, they played a couple of acoustic shows together. Um, I don't think they've made any records together yet, but 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 I saw them when I was living in New York in the early '90s. I got got a chance to catch one of the uh, acoustic duo shows they did with RT opening up for for david byrne and right it was, it was really something uh so yeah this is uh so this is a girl that uh you know she was laughing as she brushed my cheek why don't you call me angel maybe next week promise now cross your heart and hope to die but i misunderstood i thought she was saying good luck she was saying goodbye and then there's a devastating kiss off that he gets from her when he says uh she, she said the thing that's so unique when we're together we don't have to speak We'll always be such good friends, you and I. And that's like the worst yes. thing. He's getting put in the friend zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Uh, no, he, he he rarely ever softens the blow, Richard. He rarely right. ever softens the blow in his writing, you know. Right. Which I think may be another reason he doesn't, he, he hasn't gone mass market in America. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. All right, so this next one, uh, Gray Walls, I guess, was inspired by what? It was uh... Uh, inspired at least by you know by by somebody who's had some some trouble with uh, with sanity yes. with with mental illness. And there was, but I think I because I read that there was a um, a Colney Hatch mental hospital in uh, North London that he used to pass by on his uh, on a bus as a teenager. So he would mm-hmm. sort of imagine what was going on there. So I think this could just be him just sort of building up a fantasy about someone in there. But I don't know. There's some specific stuff in here, especially about uh, 
the uh, horrible electro uh, the ECT yeah yeah electroconvulsive therapy that they do hopefully I don't know if they still do that I hopefully they don't but uh, I'm sure at the time it was a bigger I, thing I think it's making a comeback actually <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately but uh, in any case yeah I think that there's a little bit of reality in there that there's more than just uh, probably imagination going on here because there, there there's also a, there's a track uh, called Broken Doll off the record he did a couple of years back with Jeff Tweedy still. Call for me so here I am Not a boy and not a man Man enough to know the odds are long They dress you up and keep you clean Like courtiers around a queen Showing And it's also about a, a, a young woman who's having problems with mental illness. And he explained okay. that there was like this girl who always used to be in the audience who used to show up, show up to like early fairport gigs who was always crazy. And like the, who, who was just going was crazy and, and losing her mind. And I think she was schizophrenic. And like he said, like the drunks in the pubs would like, you know, just kind of treat her as a toy and they used to push him kind of at her it's like oh you know you should take her home uh, and terrible. stuff like that so i think there's a little of i think i think there is a little bit of reality in there too although he does also frequently writing characters so right right uh, probably like you said yeah. probably a little both let's listen to a little bit of gray wall i took my darling down i took my darling took my darling down to that big gray house down the lane and then the doctor said he said it's in her head she's never going to be right again kiss my love mm. goodbye she didn't blink an eye they took her down the hall she never looked back at all, back oh, at yeah. all. Oh. yeah yep yeah that's heavy shit and uh it yeah, is. <laughs> like you were sing, uh, <laughs> saying some uh, percussion some really great percussion uh going on here in yeah the bridge. I, uh one of my favorite uh favorite choices on this record was the choice to use um, Nikki Curry and uh, Jerry Chef as the rhythm section for the majority of the record who I were really big fans of from the work on uh, Elvis Costello's King of America. Ah, okay, is- okay. Yeah, that's, that's great. And this is one song where I feel like the production works really good on it too. Adds yeah, to- oh, you're right. Yeah, the, the, the choices absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I I I like the fact that he's kind of reaching out sonically on this record and trying for something a little more produced because his his his, his earlier work, the work he did, particularly with with Joe Boyd producing. Who I mean, I I think Joe Boyd's a great producer, but a lot of it is very kind of traditional production, and I I I like that he's experimenting. It does. You're right in that it doesn't always work. It does. You know, it doesn't always always necessarily suit the piece. But I mean, I I just like to hear artists experimenting. Yeah, yeah, things. no, and and good for him to being open to it and open to trying, like you said, different things. So yeah, that is good. Yeah. Uh, and now this one I, about someone, and I'm thinking again, probably maybe him, who who like walks around like half a daydreaming all the time, you know. Um, and yeah, this is a, this is a really clever song. Cause it's someone that he's like daydreaming about some exotic woman, perfect woman, while the, there's a real one right there with him in front of him, but he's daydreaming about someone else. Uh, and yeah. rightfully she's kind of annoyed by that. 
<laughs> it's always a challenge to stay in the moment, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is, yeah. Right, you, know? to, you dream too much. even get to the kiss yeah right <laughs> you dream too much and it's gonna end bad uh, yeah <laughs> and he, he's had some challenges relationship yeah <laughs> relationship wise and life wise i mean you know a lot of people like to like to talk about how how dour a lot of his work is but i mean if you look at some of the things that's happened to the guy in his life you know fairport after I think between the second and third album, they were driving back late on the highway from a gig outside of London. Uh, whoever was behind the wheel falls asleep. Bus goes off the road. Fairport loses their drummer, Martin Lambeau. Oh, no. And Richard loses his girlfriend at the time, Jeannie Ooh, Franklin. I did not know this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was like 68. Okay. And so and and that was I think I think that was between on that was between what we did on our holidays and on half breaking. And and yeah, I mean and that was just like that was just the start of it. I mean, right. he he's just he just dealt with a lot. This episode of That Record Got Me High is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a platform that lets you support artists and creators that you love. Just go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and pick a membership level and you could help support the show that you're listening to right now. We have special patron curated episodes. We have a newsletter. We do shout outs. It's a lot of fun and help you feel more connected to a show that I'm assuming you like because you're listening to it right now. So if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron today. I would really appreciate it. Well, he's dealt with, with a lot, but he's also dealt out a lot. I mean, I know this next one is kind of ironic, I think, seeing as his relationship with Linda Thompson and how things ended with her. It's kind of ironic because this one is about like his wife stepping out on him and he's he's pleading for what's, you know, for what's already his, as he says in the song, which is kind of uh, pathetic in a way when you think about it. Uh, <laughs> it, it. It is, especially for, well, when you look back at it from 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 today's perspective absolutely yes absolutely. exactly but at different it, times and <laughs> well it's still, that, that, uh, that's yeah. not that's not necessarily an excuse but no, yeah i mean no. it's interesting <laughs> to look back you know it's, it's interesting to see how these perceptions change and how these you know these things affect the art that we get exactly all right let's listen to a little bit of why must i plead all your bitterness and lies Stain like tears in my eyes On a thousand lovesick tunes Won't wash away the wounds from my mind I've been seen around your new sensation You got a better deal and you took his invitation. You've been sitting on his lap and taking his dictation. Oh, but mercy. We used to love all day and drive all night. Oh, mercy. Jealousy used to whet your appetite. Oh, mercy. Dogs in the highest 
stop, plead with you, darling. Why must I plead with you, darling? Why must I plead with you, darling? What's already mine? Wow. So just taking a, a questionable, you know, a perspective aside, what a what a great song though, and what a great, like you said, <laughs> the vibe on this one is is just so good and so well done. They they did as as you know, produced as some of this, they they knew when to lay back on things like they did here, and it's and it's really a, a great job they did on it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They knew where to experiment and where not to. I think. I mean, I love the kind of. Uh, kind of simpler, almost retro soul kind of vibe. Yes, this one right. Has. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then it really works, you know, just, just basically the, you know, guitar, bass, drums, and that organ, you know, just yes, all sure. the song needs. Yep, exactly. That, that, that's one of the things. Richard, Richard, I think, was the first player I ever heard anybody use the phrase uh, plays within the context of the song about. Oh, okay. And I think that's a great, I, I think that's a really, really good way to describe what he does. He does what, what the song needs. He lives, yeah, he sort of lives inside of the song instead of playing over on top of it. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's about the song, not about the playing. Right, exactly, which is why sometimes it could be so understated. And then if you pay attention to what he's doing, you're like, oh, my God, look what he's doing. It's, like, amazing. Um, exactly. Yeah, yes, like, yes, uh, yes. Uh, like this next song, which, uh, all right, so this song, uh, 1952, Vincent Back Lightning. I mean, it's a great version here. But, again, if you go to that songwriter in the round version and see him playing, again, poor um, <laughs> Loudon Wainwright. Uh, uh, they're just, like, his playing is like it's unbelievable again it sounds like three guitar players that time not even two um yeah it's it's, it's incredible and And it's just such a great song it is i i feel like this is his version of a dylan song Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's a classic folk like a tragedy like a with a little tragic little story um yeah yeah i mean it's got the it's got the feel and the content of those folk songs that have been around for you know for forever that have been around for millennia exactly and and again once again they wisely didn't overdo on on this song they kept it pretty you know uh, stark and uh you know and uh, because they didn't really need to do much (laughs) no no so good to get the mic running yep Yep. a little bit of 1952 vincent blackley Red Molly to James, that's a fine motorbike. A girl could feel special on any such like. Says James to Red Molly, my hat's off to you. It's a Vincent Black Lightning 1952. And I've seen you at the corners and cafes, it seems. Red hair and black leather, my favorite color scheme. And he pulled around behind and down to Box Hill. They did ride. Uh, it's just so beautiful, mm. and and it's a shame we. I'm only playing a clip of it because I could literally just sit and listen to this entire song, and it's just so beautiful. I, I I agree with you completely. I mean, if you've got to have any one song hung around your neck as a signature song, that's a fine one it is, for yeah. it. <laughs> now, know? are you a, a guitar player, Eric? I am. Okay. I yeah, am. So me that's too. But, you... uh, yeah, I listen to something like this and I think, I'm not really a guitar player. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I listen to that and I think, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I've got crayons and a coloring book, and but that's Picasso. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Yeah, so. and that's why you hear me talking about the guitar so much too, because uh, you know it, it just comes from that awed and amazed, right, kind of like right. gobsmacked perspective, you know. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So now this next one, um, uh, you know what? It's funny. A lot of this record has a kind of a timeless. Aside from the production on it, has kind of a timeless feel. That when I'm listening, when I when I read the lyrics in this next one, a backlash love affair, I forget when it came out in the '90s because this is definitely a very '90s song. And I, I wonder, yes. do you think this is about a, a specific girl or woman that he I, hung out with for a while? I don't think that he's that autobiographical. I okay. think that he uses element. I think that he uses elements and people, but he doesn't necessarily use them in a way that's documentary. Okay. I was wondering, but it could just be someone because basically it's about a guy uh, that just gets, uh, you know, infatuated with this uh, a tattooed uh, a goth girl that steals his heart, but uh, that also kind of, you know, walks over his heart a little. And it's just funny, the idea of him, like, be maybe a little older and just, like, you know, walking with this, <laughs> this goth girl. It's great. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but it could be somebody real. You know, that's one of the but that's one of the things about a really good songwriter. I mean, you, if you can't tell whether it's whether it's real life or whether he made it up. That's True. I mean that that for me is one of it is one of the marks of, of, of a good writer. <laughs> True. All right, let's listen to a little bit of Backlash Love Affair. hear a lot of oboe on rock records <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> she spat her thrash metal lyrics right into my mind the stage thundered and the smoke bombs made me blind <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i don't know if it's not yep. about a real woman i like to imagine that it actually is because it's pretty awesome well, it very well could be about a real situation i mean he's a man with a roving eye <laughs> you know? Yes, we know yes, that about for it. sure. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and now we have another. The next one is another dark little parable about some mm -hmm. strange, like a mystery wind that can lead good men astray. And it's like, it's like, yeah, the wind, right? It's the wind that's leading. Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. All, although it is all the uh, the the concept of a mystery wind is a good choice for kind of a mood piece which is very much what i feel the song is instrumentally in it is and it's also again very understated uh guitar and bass there's some great bass mm -hmm. playing on this one too very understated uh let's listen to a little bit of mystery wind mentioned mark knopfler before and you can definitely hear a, a kindred uh type tones in uh this one 
Absolutely. Especially. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that, that that's an excellent example of, of that part of his style. Yeah. Um, and I, I, when I first heard Thompson, I thought, okay, this is where Mark Knopfler got all his licks from. And then I, <laughs> right. later on, I, later on, I come to find out that they, it turns out they were both just James, huge James Burton devotees. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they had the same influences. That's so funny. they ended up in the same place. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So this next one, it's funny this song i didn't this song grew on me because i didn't particularly like this song that much at first i thought "Eh, it's kind of a kind of like a jokey song but it actually really grew on me and i guess uh, i i uh, reading about it it's a sort of a tongue-in-cheek tribute to jimmy shan who was uh, like a scottish he was a a scottish traditional musician and and uh, apparently was somebody that was often heard in the Thompson household when Richard was a young guy. Right, right. So, and and the song's really funny because it's basically just the story of the narrator doesn't, he's at a party and he doesn't want the drunk people to fall on his, on his records, on his Jimmy Shan right. 78s and break them. Yep. They don't know <laughs> with tape and glue. You know? And apparently it's based on a story that he heard about Bob Dylan, who you know showed up at some party or another and and corralled the record player, would not let anybody else hear oh. it, and just proceeded to play Robert Johnson records all night. Oh, that's great! And that's awesome. So just Thompson kind of adapted for adapted it for himself, and he's he's always had a piece in the repertoire where he can throw in in the breaks, where he can toss in his adaptations of hornpipes and reels and jigs and things like that, which right, he's right. always, which he's, which has been part of his style going way, way back. Right. So I think this, this was basically to take the place of two left feet in the repertoire. Okay. <laughs> which was the song before that, where he, where all that stuff used to happen. Right. And it's a, and it's a night nice, and it's a kind of a fun tune. Too, it's really you know? fun. Let's listen to don't yeah. sit on my Jimmy shines. When the party hit first swing, I saw you come a reeling in. You had that six pack in a stranglehold. Now you stagger, now you swear Why don't you fall the other way? Cause I've got something here with more than gold I said don't sit on my Jimmy Shines Don't sit on my Jimmy Shines Red old man with sticky tape and gloves Don't sit on my Jimmy Shines Don't sit on my Jimmy Shines And that's my very best advice to you I don't mind 78 are hard to find You just can't get the shellac 78s are hard to find <laughs> Can't get that shellac since the war There you go uh, Yeah, that's great I, I really do uh, I really do like that um, And now we get someone uh, This one is basically I think about someone that, that he used to care about That he does not want to see anymore Exactly Exactly yeah. This is another this is another one that, that where they uh, very wisely did not overcomplicate the arrangement. Right, exactly. And it also sort of reminds me of a very melancholy uh, country type song, like it could be a, a, a country song. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, you know, the, one of the most interesting, I think, developments in Thompson's career over the last 20, 25 years or so is the way he's been adopted by the Americana crowd. Oh, right. right. I mean, being a bit, especially being a Brit. Right. But, right. It, but it absolutely fits. I mean, a song like, for example, like, like you know, Vincent Black Lightning, you hear Del McCoury covering it regularly now. And this, this next one, uh, the first time I saw it live, uh, Buddy Miller came out and played, played it with Richard. So, yeah, that it's... He, he's much loved in American country musicians these days. Oh, nice. All right. That's good to hear. Let's yeah. listen to a little bit of Keep Your Distance.
I can imagine somebody singing this song about him. <laughs> oh, right. So yeah, definitely a really melancholy country sensibility there. You know, keep uh, mm-hmm. keep your distance because with us, it's got to be uh, all or nothing at all. Exactly. Yep. So I can't get near you. <laughs> exactly. All right. So now we get this next one recorded on the day Margaret Thatcher resigned. And this is so his his Britishness comes through on this one, obviously, because he's obviously not a fan. (laughs) No. And this is a pretty. No, 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 no. uh, Yeah. This is a pretty biting portrait uh, of uh, Margaret. Uh, it's, it's It's a pretty savage indictment of Thatcher right England. It is, it is. And it's something only a uh, Brit could uh, deliver. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, in, in, in Songs Against Maggie, it's right up there with Tramp the Dirt Down by Elvis. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I thought of when I was reading the lyrics. Of this. That's what I thought of that. Uh, yeah. Yep, let's listen to a little bit of Mother, Mother Knows Best. Best. Mother Knows Best. Playing on this one, oh man, it's off the charts. It's the, I mean, for my money, it's the electric guitar showcase of the record. Yeah, right. Yeah, this song for sure, and it just shows what he could do. And it's like, uh, good on him for not putting this because he could put this shit all over the record. He could have, you know. But it's like he still manages as as for what he could do. He he, you know, it's like you were saying before. He does it whatever the song needs, and nothing more than that. Uh, but man, he's got what he's got in his back pocket to pull out is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's just, he, for my money, he's the ultimate tasty player. You know I mean? He's just got, he right. did, did, cause, cause I mean that if you wanted to sum all that context, the song stuff down to one, let one word, it would be taste. Right. Right. You know? Yep. Yeah. All right, so he's, uh, I didn't realize he's a devout Muslim. Muslim. He doesn't yes. drink, he doesn't even drink coffee. Uh, no. But this one is a pretty convincing little par- parable about an alcoholic's path to salvation. Yes. Like, uh, you know. I so love this track. It's I love really this good, track. Yeah, yeah, right? And, and yeah, and, and, and it shows again, like you said, he could just sort of write outside of himself too because obviously this isn't, you know, th- this isn't him but uh, he he probably knows someone, you know, or knows many people that this would. Well, oh, for sure. I mean, you know, it's an occupational hazard. Yes, yes, for a musician yeah. especially. But uh, yeah, this is a really great song. Let's listen to God Loves a Drunk. Will there be any bartenders up in there in the heaven? Will the pubs never close? Will the glass never drain? No more DTs, no shakes and no horrors. The very next morning, you feel right as rain. Cause God loves a drunk, lowest of men. Like the dogs in the street and the pigs in the pen. But a drunk's only trying to get free of his body and soar like an eagle high up there in the heaven. His shouts and his curses, they're just hymns and praises. To kickstart his mind now and then Oh, God loves a drunk Come 
raise up your glasses, amen. Oh, God, yeah, it's, it's such yeah. a, a beautiful uh, song, and you feel like uh, he's feeling, you know, for someone that does not drink himself, he's definitely feeling someone else's pain, and he's there's mm-hmm. empathy, there's some real empathy going on there. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, he's a very empathetic songwriter, although you wouldn't necessarily assume it from a lot of the aggression that you find in a lot of the tracks. <laughs> right, but exactly. yeah, if you keep listening... I mean, yeah, yeah, he he is a very, very empathetic. It's writer. there. It's all there. And you definitely wouldn't think it from the final song on this record, because this song is fucking bonkers. <laughs> it is. Well, it's, this is the closest thing to a throwaway track on the record, as far as I'm concerned. But it also it's it's so Thompson. It's so very Richard that it is. It works for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. It isn't really hardly a song. It is kind of a throwaway. But what is it? It's these like little terrifying little vignettes that he's speaking about these really sick people, sick psychotic people, and their horrible deeds. Mm-hmm. And then he's got his little pretty chorus in there. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It's the peppiest little song about you know just broken minds yes. that exist. I think. It's- it's uh what's it called? <laughs> Psycho Street. A man gets on a train and proceeds to take all his clothes off. He begins to play with himself. And he says, in my country, this is definitely not offensive. A man pours petrol through his neighbor's letterbox and throws in a match. The house is engulfed in flames. As the neighbors jump from the upstairs window, he films the whole thing on video. He plays it back to them later in hospital. Things have been pretty dull at home without you, he says. A man pushes a lawnmower 200 miles on his knees to the tomb of the unknown gardener. Great one, he cries. I've done my penance. I bring my offering. Grant me. Grant me. Grant me. Circle Street, friendly people down on Circle Street, good neighbors down on Circle Street. Well, if you need a hand, need a friend, we understand. And if you need a pal, we'll be there. And it's almost, it's almost like a continuation of uh, of Talking Heads' Psycho Killer because he, he definitely sounds like Burn a lot mm-hmm. when he's singing that chorus. There. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. so obviously tongue in cheek, but still like a really dark song, <laughs> a dark way to end yeah. the record. Uh, well, it's, you know, he, he he apparently his mind does not live in light places. It seems, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, Oh, man, so good. So, uh, yeah, Eric, uh, this was a great record to bring, and I'm really glad because it's something, you know, like kind of off the radar. Like I said, Rich, uh, Richard Thompson is definitely not talked about as much as he should be. But this was a really cool record, I think, to uh, dig into. And uh, I Well, thank it. you. Thank you so much for having me, Rob. I've had a great, great time talking with you about it. Well, good. I'm glad. So, Eric, I don't know. You got anything you want to promote or... <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? No, I'm not promoting. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not plugging anything. Not I'm plugging just, anything. Uh, no, I, no, I got nothing to plug. I'm right, just, good. Just- here to hear good music refreshing you know? very re- refreshing for a chain uh well i'm gonna promote Thank something you. so hang on uh don't forget mm-hmm. uh, you can go to inst- on instagram and facebook it's at that record got me high also that facebook group got me high on twitter it's trgmh podcast so you know follow me on all these things it's fun you know i mean you know it's I, worth doing folks yeah see look like eric listen to eric uh you can email you me it. uh at trgmh33 at gmail.com i will answer all emails no matter how if they're nice if they're mean i'll answer them uh and don't forget most importantly go to patreon.com if you want to uh, become a patron of the show patreon.com forward slash trgmh you become a patron that would be awesome eric thanks again you were a great guest and this is a great thanks. record i really appreciate it well thanks for having me rob you've been great to, great to talk with about it i've had a great time all right all right thanks again guys we'll see you next week we are out of here